Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? 19 years. Man, I said to Gina yesterday, I said, and it was interesting because I said this in a series a couple months ago. I said, uh, wisdom sometimes has a, the same sounding voice as my wife. Um, and I just said something like, it's unbelievable. I can't believe it. And she goes, why would you even say that? Like, if God spoke to you, God's going to also do all the work, right? And so it's, it is in a little bit unbelievable. But the truth of the matter is, I think in our mind's eye, we saw what God wanted to do in this place. And so thanks for being a part of that. Like uh, Caleb said, whether it's been 19 years, who raised their hand? Masons? The, the Masons. Anybody else in here 19 years? My dad, um, 19 years. Anybody? So just four of us. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a growing church. It's good, right? So, and it's not by chance today that we're starting a brand new series. And I want to say this, and I want to say it up front. Um, we're not going to look back at, at the last 19 years. That's not what today's about. That's not what this series is about. But we are going to look forward by looking back. Um, we're going to look at the original church and we're going to, you know, for four or five weeks, we're going to go, okay, so what are the aspects, what are the characteristics of the original church? Like, when I'm talking about 2,000 years ago, church, and what can we apply to our church here today to help us grow and be what God, you know what? And the reason assembly required is the name. Has anybody ever tried to put anything together? Like, I, a couple of years ago, like, like dumb. Like, I, I bought this weight bench thing, and, and it, it was beautiful, like, in the box, and then I pulled out the 482-page manual, not on how to use it, but how to put it together. And so it took me like, I don't know, 18 weeks to get it together. And after 18 weeks, I was so sore, I didn't want to work out. Um, and it was beautiful. I think we have a picture of it. Can we show a picture of that real quick? Yeah, that was it. And then I think there's another picture. I mean, it was amazing. It's the best weight bench I've ever owned. It holds more clothes than anything else I've ever had. And so... Um, and, and, and we loved it so much, we sold it um, just because it was a space issue. But I remember when it said assembly required, and what I thought was, that meant just put the weights on the side, right? Just put the weights on it. And it actually meant every little part had to be put together. Every, like, every bar had a, had a, had a bolt and all that. And, then, and, 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 and I'm thinking, oh, my, like, if I would have known, I would have bought a used one off a of marketplace, you know, or something. But assembly required, that's what it said. And then I started realizing, that's the church, there's assembly required, and there's a couple different plays on that word. The first one is, and I believe with everything that's in me, we're going to look at this, uh, assembly is, is the meeting together. Like just as a church, like a faith community, when we meet together, God does stuff. Somebody say amen to that. There's some things that happen together that, that, that can happen. I mean, not only like, 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 like praying for people and watching God move and, and corporate worship and all that kind of stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute, but when hurt is there, like when you're in proximity with people, something happens. Uh, Hebrews says it like this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. And it says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so part of what we do is assembly required is we have to get together and we have to be in close proximity. We have to be rubbing shoulders together. Another thing is assembly is components. If you were to put something together, there's all different components that have to come together to make that weight bench or whatever you're building. The church is no different. Ephesians chapter 4, 16 says, he makes the whole body 
fitly joined together or fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the faith, that's church. We're better together. We say it all the time around this place. I'm better when you're doing what God's called you to do. You're better when God's doing through me what he's called me to do. And so that's why we put such a big deal on serving around journey because it's important. It's something we should be doing. And the third part of this is, is how it operates. Assembly is required of how it operates. And, and I'm going to give you a quick kind of church history lesson. Over the last 30 years, there's been movements that have come in and out of the church. Um, contemporary churches, there was what was called seeker-sensitive churches, which is a Willow Creek model. Bill Hybels, who the father, is kind of the father of that. Over the last couple of years, we've seen what's called the relevant church model and the contemporary church model and the missional church model and all these different models. And I think they're great. And I think we fall, you know, probably fall into some category, you know, category there's, you know, somehow. But you want to know something? In the last 10 years, this is sad. In the last 10 years, church attendance is on the decline. We have designed churches that are, that, that, that's appealing to uh, unchurched people. You know, we've put all kinds of things into play that make people feel more comfortable. We serve coffee at church. Anybody grow up in church? I grew up in the Catholic church. Never. I cannot imagine the priest walking up there or one of the, the nuns or altar boy walking in with a, with a cup of coffee, but we've tried to make it appealing to everybody. So in spite of all that, you know, the current things, it's still spiraling out of control. Church attendance is on the decrease. And this is what I'm proposing, okay? And this is going to take some cooperation on all of our, all our parts. This is what I'm proposing. That we take a step back and we look at how the big C church functioned from the very beginning. And maybe there's some things in that that we should be putting in our church. And I'm going to do it by asking a lot of questions today. So if you're a note taker, you're going to go crazy today because I'm going to ask all kinds of questions. And here's the first question. Do you feel like the church has gotten off track? Not Journey Church, not this church necessarily, but maybe you feel, but has the church gotten off track? Have we lost, have we lost our appeal? Have we lost what the church is supposed to be? So here's the first question I'm going to ask us, and really the second question, but here it is. Are we a church, because I believe this is important, that God would want to partner with? Think about that for a second. We talk about partnership. A lot of you go through on you going through on ramp. We have another one coming up. You partner with a church, but but the truth of the matter is, and I want to ask ourselves that question. But the question that we should be asking is not whether we, you know, like are we a church that's appealing to people outside the doors of the church, or are we? We should even be asking the question: Are we appealing to the people inside the church? What we should be asking is a question like this: Are we appealing to God? Would God partner with his church? If, like, would God walk in our doors and would he feel like, yes, this is what I died for? Or was, is it just a social, you know, a social situation? What happened is church at its best 2,000 years ago. Okay, everybody gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. They're all together in one place. I love it. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when we looked at the, the prayer that Jesus prayed, Father, make them one. And in, and, and in Acts chapter 2, it says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the, the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do that. Now, now a lot of us are going to go, whoa, 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 not today. We're not going to talk about this today, but hold on. Push pause for a second. This is part of church history. And this is a real part of church history. 
And we've got to look at it, not as history, but what did they do? Now, I'm gonna, I'm, there's some fallacies in the church now, okay? Because I came from a movement that was very emotional driven and we didn't have a lot of facts. There wasn't a lot of, there was a lot of inspiration, but not a lot of like, let's, let's ref, like, like, is this true or not? And so we're, today we're not gonna argue about the speaking in tongues part, but I do want us to understand that something happened. People in the streets, while others are speaking in tongues, watch this, understood them in their own language, whoa. See, the movement I came from, we just kind of blurted things out. We just kind of, you know, you know, it was almost like it was just babbling. But everybody understood what they were saying in their own language. And one of the things that I've known and what I see is when God moves like this, a moment like this, it's attractional. It has to be attractional. It should be attracting people to Jesus, not repelling. Let me tell you something. The Spirit of God does not scare people away. It draws people in. And until we understand that, so I'm not saying we go back to this moment right here, but I say we have to recognize that this was real at that moment. So people on the streets. And then Peter starts to preach and he preaches from the prophet Joel. And he starts quoting, this is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters, I want you to really like do some underlining. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in heavens above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. Man, I would have loved to have been at this service. Like, this would have been like, whoa. And then it says, the sun will become dark. And the moon will turn to blood, uh, blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Underline that, please, if you're an underliner. That's really, really important. And when he finished, literally quoting scripture. Did you hear that? It wasn't some, it wasn't a drama that was done. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't some, you know, high tech, like a couple years ago. Uh, what do we call that thing? Uh, kabuki drop. A kabuki drop is like we had it from the ceiling on Easter Sunday. We got to this certain point in the, in, in the, in the service and the screen drops and there's a band behind it. None of that happened here. Didn't need to happen here. God showed up. And by the way, 3,000 people got saved that day. 3,000 people got saved. And then we see, this is all in one chapter. This is what we're going to look at. And, and, and then we see the beginning or the birth of the New Testament church. Now watch this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves together to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe. Ooh, hold on. How many people? And, and some of us are going, yeah, I've been to that church before. Do you say, oh, oh. That's not what he's saying right there. A deep sense of awe was, oh. Like when you walk into, your place, into a place and you just go, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. So every day after that, this was church at its best. And it's been going downhill since then. You know why? Because we got involved in it. Styles and denominations and, and all the stuff that we hold there, colors and, and chairs or pews, we got involved. 
Let me tell you something. I have been around church for a long time, 30-something years. I have been to all kinds of conferences that teach us how to grow a church. How do you grow a church? Let me tell you, right there in those scriptures, that's the number one church growth strategy out there, period. Have a place where God wants to be. When we have a place where God wants to dwell, God shows up and all those things happening. And let me tell you, when they happen, it's not, it's not creepy. It's not weird. It doesn't repel people. It draws people. So that's the very first thing. Is, is this a church? As we look backward, we can look forward to the next couple of years. Next year, we're going to celebrate 20 years. I'd love to be sitting here next year as we're celebrating our 20th year, which is going to be a knockdown. I mean, it's going to be amazing going, you know something? All those things that were in that original church are in this church right here, right now. How cool would that be? Now, here's the second question we've got to ask ourselves. Are we a church where people can sense the Spirit of God? It's one thing to have the Spirit of God. Can people walk through the doors and have it? In the last 30 years or so, I've been to all kinds of churches. Methodist churches, Episcopalian, you know, Episcopal, uh, Episcopal churches. Um, I've been to, um, to Catholic churches. I've been, I've been to Baptist churches. I've been, I mean, I've been to Church of God churches. I've been to Pentecostal. I've been to Charismatic. Have you ever walked into a place and you just go, oh, there's something different here? Anybody? You better feel it when you walk into this place. Right? So many of you have, you've come up to me, you've wrote me letters or emails and said, when I walk into this place, it feels like home. It feels there's something different. It was interesting. I was sharing um, a, a message kind of like this last year, and we were in the process of hiring a children's pastor. And Denise Peebler was one of the ones that put her name in, who was our children's pastor, who, by the way, is absolutely killing it in children's ministry. Like, I am so blown away by what God's doing in children's ministry. They're doing this thing on one Wednesday night, of month. it's just fourth and fifth graders, it is so, like, there's no room in the inn, okay? Like, there's like a thousand kids up there. And, and, and but, but, but she, she said that she walked into this place, and I made the comment, and, 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 and track with me on this one, because I've said it before. There's this intangible something that you sense when you walk into a place where God is. And she said she was sitting back there with her husband. They were deciding whether they were going to take this job. And I said, intangible something. And she said, that's what it was. She told me this past week, she said, that is what drew us to journey. That's why we're here right now. There's this intangible something. It's because we can sense the spirit of God when he's here. Like during worship today, did anybody else besides me sense the spirit of God? Every song was, I almost walked up after the second song and had an altar call because that's how much I was like, God's in this place right now. Maybe I should have. Maybe we'll do it at the end of service or something. But there's this intangible something that when you know the Spirit of God is in a place, Acts chapter 2, in the last days, there's an intangible something. God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in heaven above the signs below, blood and fire and clouds and smoke. He says, man, you, I'm going to be there and something's going to happen. Something's going to take place. Now, let me tell you this. When we come together for worship, and when I say worship, I don't mean just singing. Everybody understand? Like this, this hour service is, is way more than just singing. It's praying over the last four weeks. We've been praying for each other. Today, we're going to pray for each other. It's hearing God's word. It's giving. It's being generous. It's celebrating. It's all that stuff. That's what worship is. But I'm going to tell you something. I have my own, hopefully most of us, I have my own personal daily time. I pray. Anybody else pray beside me? Okay. 
I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not bragging or anything. I pray almost every day. Okay, stop. Even the preacher only prays almost every day. There's days where I, I get crazy. And life's, you know, I start out at 6 o'clock in the morning and I don't stop till 9 o'clock. And yes, I'm praying throughout the course of the day, but I don't take that special time away. How about studying? I have my own personal study time. I love it. I do it first thing in the morning, every morning. I, I pull out a devotion. I pull out my Bible. I start reading, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and there, but there's something different about when we come together as the body of Christ. When we come in this place, I, this morning I turned around, and, and I wasn't looking at you too much. But I turned around and I went, this is what heaven's going to look like. Like really, and if this, if this bothers you, your eternity is going to be miserable. If, if, if people raising their hands bothers you, oh my goodness, it, the Bible says that we're going to be around the throne of Jesus, hands lifted high, singing Hosanna. Hosanna, it's going to really suck for you. Right? I'm just being real with y'all. I mean, I, so, I mean, this is not even in my notes, but I got to say it. You know what I've seen? We talk about a church where you sense, we had somebody a, a year or so ago, they're, they're in next service, and I'm going to share the story, but they, were, they, they used to come to journey like this. They, they were like this. Some of you this morning, it's okay. You, you won't stay there long around this place. You can't. The Spirit of God's in this place. Things happen. God's moving, right? So they would start out like this. And, and I would turn around and look. And I love turning around. I, I pray over you. I pray over me. I, I pray over the service when I do that. And sometimes I'm just staring. And, and, and so I'm sitting like, I'm like, who's here? Where are they at? No. And um, they look good today. Sometimes I say that too. But I, so they, like this. And, and, and a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, we're playing this really cool song. And you know what I see happen? I mean, we're not fully committed yet. You know what I'm saying? We're not doing touchdown Jesus yet. We're not scrubbing the windows. You're not, we're not doing, you know, like, come on, give me some more. I'm mean, none of that yet, but we're right here. This is pretty cool, right? But you know, you know how they worship today? Not that this is a sign of worship, but I think it is. It's an expression of surrender. They're like this. Last week, I saw her kneeling. I'm like, oh my gosh. You can't help but sense God's presence when it's there. And we should never take, and that's what happened in the original church. God says it as clear as day that when his spirit moves on people, and, and listen, you can have, I'm not talking about a style. Does everybody understand that? I don't care if you like Maverick City or don't like Maverick City. I don't care if you like Elevation Worship or don't like, or if you, I mean, if you're still listening to Bill Gaither, great. True worship transcends style. Somebody say amen to that. I can worship to amazing grace just like I can. It's about the hearts of the people that are delivering it. And I'm telling you what, this team right here delivers it. Delivers it. So let me give you the second question. Actually, third question. I keep saying that. But are we a church that includes everyone? Well, this is going to get ugly. And so if you get offended easily, you may want to just kind of get out right now. But the doors are locked. So you really can't. You got to listen to it. So I don't know if y'all caught it the first time. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons 
and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. See, God says, plain as day, your sons and your daughters. And there's still churches that are archaic in the world that we live in that will not allow women to fully function as Christ has called them to do. And that is a travesty. I can't believe, one of the things a couple weeks ago, actually it's been a little bit more than that, um, we had a female speaker here, uh, Lindsay Poitras, who is actually my, my daughter. I don't know if you knew that or not, but she, she got, and I got an email. We're never coming back to Journey because you had a female. And you know, I said, see you. Peace out. You know why? All through the Bible, all through the Bible, it talks about, I mean, I'm telling you, like Paul does, and we have to guard against it. And this is what it says in, in Galatians chapter three. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. So we don't exclude anybody. Somebody say amen to that, period. And we need to guard against a couple different things. Let me tell you the first one. Uh, we need to guard against discrimination based on race in the church. There's no place for it in the church. Um, it, it's, it, it's interesting. There was a time period in the, the Jewish church early on, right after this Pentecost thing happened, that the Jewish people, um, the, the, the true Israelites, were still praying prayers. And part of their prayer was, Lord, I thank you that I was, uh, I was born neither a woman or a Gentile. I thank you that I wasn't. Even. As a matter of fact, Gentile women were so despised that they couldn't even go to a hospital or a doctor or a person uh, to get medical care because they didn't want the offspring when they were pregnant. They didn't want the offspring being born. And you want to know something? It still happens in the church. It happens in the church all the time. Do you know what the most divisive day of the week is in the world that we live in? Sunday mornings. It's the most divided place because we have black church and white church and Latino church and this church. Man, I want to be just the church. The Bible says, come all who are heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. It doesn't, have a, it doesn't quantify a color. It doesn't quantify how much money you make. It doesn't quantify any of that stuff. We also, like I said a minute ago, we need to guard against this, this discrimination based on gender. Uh, your sons and your daughters. Paul says this. If you're a note taker, I'm going to give you a couple scriptures. Acts chapter 16, 13. Acts 17, 4. Romans chapter 16, 1. Um, uh, and, 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 and 1 Corinthians 11, 5. Literally, Paul is encouraging the women how to dress when they pray and when they prophesy, meaning they function in the church. They, in the modern church, it's almost like we say, you can do anything you want as long as it's in children's ministry. That's all you can do. And I'm saying, you can do anything you want at Journey because God has called you, just like he's called me, to do great things for him. Somebody say amen to that. All right, we also need to guard, and this is a biggie, okay? This is a biggie. We need to guard against age discrimination. Age discrimination. In the last days, it says, younger men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Um, if, you're, if you're here and you're young, um, next service, we're gonna be packed, it's always, but if you're here and you're young, God wants to use you now. He doesn't want to wait till you're 17 or 19 or 25 or 35. He wants to use you right now. I love the way Timothy said it. He said, or Paul said it to Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love and your faith and your purity. He's encouraging Timothy to be all he can be right now. I'm telling you, there's so much. 
You are never, ever, ever too young to do good. You hear me? You are never, ever too young to help a person. You're never, ever, ever too young to make a difference in people's lives. And I, and he, I believe this with everything. He wants to use you if you're young, whether you're down at Sherwood, you're over in our atrium area, you're watching online, if you're in this room right here. I don't care about your age. If you're young, God wants to use you right now to do his work in this world that we live in. Somebody please say amen to that. Now, some people think they're too old too. Do you know, I was asked to speak, listen to this. I was asked to speak at a conference. And then they called me back because they watched online. Somebody had told them about my name. They asked me if I'd come to this conference. And they saw us online and they said, hey, we're going to get somebody younger than you. Show me in the Bible. Everywhere in the Bible, it's about gift. It's not about age. Everywhere in the Bible, it's about what you can do for God. Satchel Paige, a Major League Baseball player, uh, pitched his last game at 59 years old. And this is what he said. Age is merely a matter of mind. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you a really serious question. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Some of you are tweeting that later. <laughs> Give me some street cred on that, okay? To say Pastor Bobby on that. I, I wrote it down the other day, and I'm like, I don't know where I heard it from. So you know how preachers do it, right? Can I just, I got 10 more minutes, we're good. This is how preachers do it. The first time they say it, they give credit to whoever, like Andy Stanley said this. The second time what they do is they go, I heard somebody say it one time. And the third time they say it, I've always thought this to be true. I'm at the third part of this one right here, Okay. I think I said it first. Some of you are going, he's crazy. Yeah, he is. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? And sometimes we put numbers on things and go, well, once I hit, we were having a conversation the other day, and my staff came to me, and um, they were talking about my exit strategy out of here. And I'm like, I'm not exiting yet. And they were like, in 10 years. I'm like, Whoa! How about like 30? Like I got 30 good, how many, somebody say, hey man, I got 30 good years left in me, right? Okay. I may be a little fatter and a little balder and a little whatever, but I may be walking up here with one of them things. But truth of the matter is, some churches describe, we can't do that here. We can't. Caleb, Caleb at it, the last part of his life, Caleb in the Bible, not Caleb Meeks, Caleb in the <laughs> You're the last part of your life, buddy. So sorry. <laughs> Are you sitting here all three services? Because this will be fantastic. Um, was 85 years old when God used him. Y'all remember Sarah? Sarah was up in your... Actually, we don't know the exact age on her, but she was past childbearing years. Abraham was 130 when the promise finally came true. I mean... We can't exclude anybody. Please hear me on this. We can't exclude anybody, male or female, young or old, rich or poor, red or yellow or black or white. God is looking for a church, I believe this with everything, that's willing to do the work of the ministry and that's it. Not caring about all the other stuff. And I want to be that church. Let me ask you another question. Here we go. Are we a church 
where life change is evident. Where life change is evident. Where we see what God's doing. When we come together, we'll experience changed lives among us, won't we? That last part, it says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Will be saved. When you have God's presence in a place and you're doing what God wants you to do and you're making sure that we're using everybody, all that stuff, that's, that has to happen in the church. People are going to come to know Christ. There's going to be life change. And this is the part that always fascinates me. Can, can I just be just brutally honest for a second? We design all these services with cool music and, and, and sometimes we do kabuki drops. And, you know, isn't that just a cool word? Like kabuki drop. Like that just sounds like I know what I'm doing, right? You know, we have speaker and we have all, and we have, we're like broadcast to like every place in the world except for Antarctica. Is that correct? We, like we have like all over, like we're talking micro churches and macro churches and hundreds of people watching and we're on YouTube now and we're on you know, iTunes and like, wow, like all this stuff. But you want to know something? If God doesn't show up, none of it matters. If God doesn't, I, I don't care what kind of things we're doing. If God doesn't show up, it doesn't make a difference because only God is the one that can change lives. None of this stuff, none of the material, none of the, none of the, none of the equipment, none, none of the singers. Bobby can't, Justin can't, we can't. We can be a conduit for that, but we can't. Only God can change lives. So you can do all you want to do. We can do all we want to do. All these churches are trying to be like super whatever. And, and unless God's presence is there, it doesn't make a difference. It's just a show. When the Spirit of God is present in a church, let me tell you what happens. People are made new. The old is gone, 2 Corinthians, and the new comes. And it's evident, you see it. Let me tell you what else. Marriages are mended when the Spirit of God is in a place. Relationships are restored, brothers and sisters and moms and dads. Shattered dreams are put back together when the Spirit of God's there. Broken hearts are healed. I'm watching that happening in several of y'all's lives. I'm watching God do that. Lives are changed. And I love this in this last part. But everyone who, and, and just the, the word calls, like, think about everyone who calls. The Bible, I was, I was doing a word search, and, and one of the words that is wait. They that wait. Remember Isaiah? They that wait on the Lord, he'll renew their strength. It's the same thing. The, the, the one that calls out to God. There's something that happens when we call out to God. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were, no, the church, would, this, this, the big C, would be known as a church that calls on the name of the Lord, and that's it. We don't call on the name of politics or the name of, in whatever else is going on in the world, the, but we would call on the name of the Lord. Lamentation says it like this. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of my pit. Man, anybody ever been there? The depths of the pit? And it says, you heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called and you said, do not fear. Calling on the name of the Lord is how we experience healing. Anybody need to be healed of anything right now? I'm raising my hand, by the way. The name of the Lord is how we experience his presence. When we call on the name of the Lord is how we, we can pro be, uh, take care of the promise of protection, that he's going to protect us. We sang songs talking about fear. Some of us in this room live with fear every day of our lives, don't we? We walk everywhere we go. God says, you know something? You don't have to live with that fear when God's part of your part of your process. His comfort, his power, when his presence is there, that's all the things that happen. And God is looking for a church that's committed to do that right there. And I believe that God's calling us as a church to be that place. 
I want to do something real quick. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it now anyway. I want you all to stand up with me for a second. We don't have to have Justin singing a song. We don't have to have all the band out here. I said this the last couple of weeks. I believe sometimes God's word, there needs to be a response. And I believe there needs to be a response right now. I think there's a couple different things. First of all, I think as a church body, a faith community, we need to commit to doing this. That those things right there that are evident in the original church, that we need to say, you know something, we're going to make sure that that happens every time we get together in this place, every time we do a small group, every time we're in a serving project, that we're going to make sure that those things happen. But I have felt since probably that second song that there's some people, people here carrying big burdens, carrying big stuff. And we can teach on it and we can talk about calling on the name of the Lord, but if we don't do it, we've missed. We've missed everything God wants to do. So I want you to do me a favor. I just want you to shut your eyes for a second. What we talked about today is the church that Jesus died for. Sometimes we glance over, Jesus died for the people in the church, not the building, not the concrete, not the denominational name, not the little J as we say. He died for the church, the people in it. The place where people are gathered, two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there in the midst. That's what Jesus died for. Jesus died for you. And maybe you don't understand that. Maybe, maybe that's, that's something that until this morning you, you couldn't fathom. That's what we're called to do as a church. We're, 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 we're called to make his name famous in the world we live in, not our, our name. So maybe this morning you're even sitting here in this moment here going, I want that Jesus. I've never met that one. I mean, I, I've been to Meemaw's church and I've done all this. And I did. I, I, something happened when I walked in this building today. I sense his presence like I've never sensed his presence before. And I want to be a part of that. If that's you, I want you to do me a favor. Everybody's looking down at the ground, so there's not going to be any embarrassing moments today. But maybe you've never made that decision to follow after Jesus, and today you want to do that. I just want you to look up at me real fast. Wow, that's awesome, dude. I'm so proud of you. That is so cool. I'm going to look, just kind of gaze across the room. There's lots of people looking up right now. And thank you. I see you back there. That's awesome. Thank you. Damn, really cool. Got you, man. And some, some, some of us, that's the first time we've ever made that decision. I mean, there's people upstairs. I see you upstairs. It's awesome. Maybe that's the first time. Maybe, maybe you've walked away from God. And maybe, maybe even today in this place, you're realizing that you want to be a part of that kind of church. You want to be a part of that. And we want you to be a part of it too. But maybe today you've walked in here with a heavy load. Maybe it's a, an emotional load. Maybe it's a physical load. Maybe it's some bad news. Maybe it's, maybe it's relational. Wh- whatever that looks like, I just want you to be, I, I don't need, we don't need to pray for every specific thing, but I want to pray for you. And so if you would just, if you've walked in this place, maybe fear and anxiety and tension and, and all that, I just want you to look at me real quick. Just real quick. Thanks, man. That's awesome. All of the across this place, like, if you if you would do me a favor 
everybody in this room would do this. Just let's lift our hands up to God for a second. Just a second. Heavenly Father, right now, we sang songs this morning about your Holy Spirit. That you would fall and rest on us. God, it's just a song until we make it real in our lives. And we ask that from the deepest part of our lives. When we say, God, rest on us. God, I don't want the silliness. What I want is the real. I want the authentic. I want you to rest on my life like you've never rest. Give me a boldness. Give me a boldness, God, like I've never had before. God, allow me to finish well. When so many people in ministry are falling away, God, allow me to finish well. The burdens that we carry, God, I pray that you would come down right now and rest on those things, those emotional, those financial, those, those, those relational, the, 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 the bad news that happened in the last couple of weeks. God, I pray that we would understand that you are still in control. And when the wind blew and the rain came, we still stood firm in you because we're built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And everybody in this room said, amen, amen. And real quick, Caleb's gonna come up and close the service out. But if you made a decision to follow Christ, we wanna talk to you about that today. You can go over to the wall over there that has the, the wooden slats or some of our staff will be up here and we'd love the opportunity to talk to you. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.